0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab Premium number two eighty-four for September 9th, 99, 9, 2010. <laughs> the mac observers mac geek Cab. i am dave hamilton here in durham new hampshire on the other end of the skype line is john back from vacation. that's right i was, I was down
1: south yeah yeah at that's the a... reedy creek improvement district aka orlando disney all that fun stuff that's right that's right yeah nice trip nice cool. and relaxing uh, a little warm of course and uh L- and we hit this one town.
0: Okay, I, I was. Well, I do know. You ever- we we've both been on trips, but I want to dive right into Jim's question, and uh, and we'll come around with our vacation stories later in the show. How's that? Yeah, thing? we'll babble Take about that later. Away. away,
2: Jim. Dave, John, and Pilot Pete. This is Pilot Jim from Miri PA. Hey, I got a good one for you guys. I have a MacBook Pro that has a micro video connector. When I connect it to another monitor through the connection device, the MacBook Pro recognizes the other monitor, but nothing is displayed. In fact, the outside monitor will indicate no signal, but the screen resolution on a MacBook Pro usually starts around 640 by 480 I've tried everything, changing resolution, frequency, etc. I've even tried another micro to VGA connection device with no success. I've made sure the monitors are set for VGA, etc. Does this sound like a logic board problem? I can't find anything else in the system prefs that could influence this problem. I've tried other monitors and projectors all with the same results. Any idea what is going on? By the way, I've not yet contacted AppleCare because I figure I'd give the big guys the first crack at it. Hey, Pilot Pete, keep them level and always check your six. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And here's the infamous where you cut me off. Thanks, Jim. And we'll be sure, of course, to pass that along to Pilot Pete. Um,
0: so this is an interesting one, John. Uh, m- you know, uh, after listening to his question or his concern here, my, my gut says that it's a logic board problem. Uh, you know, <sighs> he he well, I mean, he's tried other monitors, right, and with the same results. Uh, it, it, there's a couple things you know, it, true, right,
1: true, but I'm going to violently disagree with you. But
0: the first, okay, present uh, your case. That's, that's all right. Well, okay, I'll, I'll present my case. So, <laughs> here's the things that I would do for this now. Number one. Once you've connected another monitor, go into system preferences, go to displays and click the little detect displays button, which is going to appear down in the lower right hand corner. My guess is Jim has already done this. Uh, In theory, the computer should do this on its own when it sees that there's another display connected. But it doesn't always. In fact, I find in probably half the cases, especially when connecting to a projector or something, I need to do this. So that's number one. Uh, Number two would be kind of the the general troubleshooting for, you know, semi-hardware related things. Reset PRAM, reset the system management controller, and we can put a link. The PRAM is done by rebooting with command, option, P, and R held down until you hear the second startup chime. And some people say... Let it go through four chimes and hold your leg just right and pray to the moon and all this. But uh, in theory, one chime should do it. But go ahead and let it go through a couple and then reset the SMC. There's it's different on almost every Mac. So we'll we'll put you to a put you through to a knowledge base article for that. Uh, So those would be my things. And then lastly, but not leastly. Try booting from another boot drive or DVD or something where you're not starting up from the system that you've been starting up from the the Mac OS X installation. See if that helps. But my guess is it's a it's a motherboard thing. So that that's my thought, John. But but you you are going to violently disagree.
1: (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to shake my fist at you. No, Okay.
0: (laughs) Vehemently or violently or both.
1: No, I'm going to be very calm and reasoned. And and, uh, so first off, and we talked about this before the show, but I I wasn't sure. He did not. Now, I listened to the question again. Okay. He did not mention trying to use a different VGA. And I believe he said VGA. And now I did not hear him try to use a different VGA cable. Okay. Oh, yes. All right. He may have, but but I didn't hear it in the explanation. Uh, Now, he said he replaced the adapter or tried a different one. Right. The cable itself.
0: Now, what leads me to believe that something is going on, well, but it, it could be to the cable. Be, to be fair, oftentimes the VGA cable is connected to the monitor, right? So, you, you know by by default, he has used two different potentially. Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: If if that's his configuration, because right. I use my LCD to actually research this a bit, hmm. and that has removable cables for both DVI and VGA. Got it. Um, actually, another thing to try. I don't know if he has a DVI adapter just to uh, r- rule out the video. Yep. So anyway, so one, I'm suggesting the VGA cable. Um, number two, where I would look, or, or actually to to add on, to build on what you said, you can also go into system preferences displays, and there is a choice, show displays and menu bar. If he hasn't done that already, but just to mention it, it will give you a little menu. One of the choices is what you said, Dave, it's just in a different place, which is detect displays, which I agree with. That's a great way to... You know, nudge things. Uh, it also has a list of valid resolutions, and that'll let you easily. Though you can do it in the control panel. You know, it's a quicker way to, to see what you know the computer thinks is out there because it lists. At least on my MacBook, it lists. Well, no, it lists it for the internal display. So anyways, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: That's okay. a place to look. But now here's where I would look, where I saw some information that I could not see available anywhere else, and that's if you go to System Profiler, Hardware, Graphics slash Displays. And in that category, it's going to list the graphics chipset that it thinks you have, or yeah, which in my case is an NVIDIA GeForce 8600T. Then it'll list some information about the graphics chip, and you know, hopefully, all of that is there, and it doesn't indicate there's a problem. I think there are some there are cases where it may indicate that there's something wrong. Oh, interesting. In that list, um, it's just in the back of my mind. But then it'll have a section called Displays, and for example, in the case of my machine, David says color LCD resolution 1440 by 900, blah blah blah. Main display, mirror, all that. Make, make sure all of that makes sense. So, so there's going to be the resolution, the pixel depth. In my case, it's 32. Main display, yes. Now that I you know keep an eye on to make sure that always says that. Uh, mirror off, online, yes. Built in, yes. So those are all nice categories. Now, if there's nothing connected, what I saw in that section after color LCD, it said, oh, display connector. So it knows there's a display connector. Make sure that's there. Yep. If that's not there, then yes, I would agree it's, it's something wonky on the motherboard. In my case, with nothing plugged in, it says status, no display connected. When I plug something in, then it said, oh, Sync Master. Okay. Now, this is with DVI and not VGA, but I think the results are similar. Yep. And it, it, Most modern monitors have some way, either analog or digital, to identify what they are, or I guess the, the computer knows, but I think it's more built into the display. So it sends along a thing saying, hi, I'm a Sync Master. Here's the resolution, the frequency, pixel depth mirroring online and rotation. Now I'd, I'd be interested to see one, if anything changes there. And number two, if it says online, no, I mean, it, it, it leads me to believe that some, uh, maybe to the, the, the where, where I think maybe damaged in the cable where some information, like, yes, something is plugged in, got through, but the rest of it's not getting through. So that's, so I don't think I violently disagreed. I, I think we complemented each other's um, approach.
0: <laughs> well, uh, how's good. that? That sounds good. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to Ray. And Ray has what he's calling a dead MacBook Pro. Uh he's done some troubleshooting and here's what he has found. Let's see. Uh he has a 17-inch MacBook Pro 2000 early 2008. Uh it'd been running fine, closed it up, carried it downstairs, opened it up, didn't start up. Tried pressing various keys including brightness, uh but no luck. Held down the power button long enough to force a shutdown, then pressed it again to start up. The light on the front edge lit briefly. Heard, uh, Ray heard some, something start to spin up and then a click. At that point, the light went out and made no more noise. The whole process lasts between one and two seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. I've tried, he says he's tried various key combinations for resetting PRAM and SMC. None of those have had any effect. And it doesn't matter whether the battery is in or out. He tried to boot it off of an external clone drive, but never got to the point of letting him pick boot targets. So uh, then he went on to say, do some troubleshooting and say, okay, the display never lights up at any time. He never hears the startup chime. But if he removes all the memory, he gets repeated warning beeps until he powers down. The system came with two uh, one gigabyte SIMs. He replaced one. Uh, but the symptoms don't change no matter what he does. Uh, tried installing only the old SIM in each slot, but that didn't change anything either. So that's the that's where we are with it, John. You want to you want to take it from here? I'm going to start off. Okay. Yeah, I think
1: we're okay now. Yeah, I'm, they're, they're, we're not going to talk about the. Yeah, I can hear I can hear you fine. Okay. I thought I couldn't hear you before. Got it. All right. Let me get up. So basically. My question here, oh, I was just aching for the information about the beeps, because as you may or may not know, the beeps tell you some very important information. And yep. let me just bring up the web page here. So it's a uh, knowledge-based power on self-test beep definition. Now, depending on how many beeps, um, and this could be a troubleshooting strategy here, but one or two beeps are a RAM issue. So actually one beep means there's no RAM. And it okay. sounds like that may be the one he got, but I don't know. Now sure. there are some others here. Uh, two beeps is so also a RAM. Three beeps, no good banks, which I think is RAM. Now if you hear four or five beeps, then there's something seriously wrong with the computer, I think. Because four means no good boot image. Or it, it can lead you or in the boot ROM. No, that's bad. <laughs> or bad syscan. That that could indicate the boot device is, is, is damaged. And then five beeps means the processor is toasted. Or that, that's what they say here. So... Just wanted to offer that uh, the, we'll link to the article. The number of beeps is very important, my, though. My guess, hearing, yeah. No. My
0: guess is because he only mentioned the beeps, and this is, of course, troubleshooting by deduction. Uh, but because he only mentioned the beeps after he mentioned taking out the RAM, that it was not beeping before he took out the RAM, which then would lead us to believe yeah. it's not doing the five beeps or the four beeps, but instead is doing the you know the the RAM related number of beeps, and that that's mm-hmm. all it's telling him. But but that's good news, right? The fact that the motherboard is beeping when he removes the RAM means it is responding to some input. Right? Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get that, you know, the the patient is is not fully conscious here, but but there's something going on and and when we change certain conditions that it responds appropriately. So that means the motherboard is good and we're not getting the beep about the processor being dead, so that means Presumably the processor is good, right, so maybe the screen died, but no if it was the screen, it would still boot. you just wouldn't see anything yeah, hmm, I don't know i don't know i i I'm guessing it's a it's a motherboard uh you know at it, some level the the motherboard is unhappy about something but uh and 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 that to me means an apple care call, but I don't know. Well, what
1: concerns me also is I'm looking at what Ray said here, and uh, and it sounds like he's been into and out of the machine quite a few times, and I'm just trying to think if something came loose, or, I don't yeah. know, I mean, I, I, I get the feel here, is the, the, again, well, the RAM, you know, you, you don't have to grab it, but, you know, definitely, you know, removing the DVD and the HD
0: and the hard drive. Yeah, he um, d- he did say during the troubleshooting process that he removed the DVD player and the hard drive, but that was after all this started, right after all the 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 fact that it wouldn't boot, right? And that's when he started yeah. things out. So. And well, the display, I mean, that's yeah, be I mean, pretty much a hardware thing, right? Right, right. But it, I don't think it's a display because we're not, you know, it's not booting mm-hmm. and then acting like, hey, I'm I'm displaying something, but you're not seeing it. It's starting and then stopping. So yeah, I don't know. Very very. Uh, very disturbing. And I don't have a magic answer. Do you have a magic answer, John? Wish I did. I think AppleCare is the magic answer, and Harold actually has a a, a question about AppleCare here. Um and we're not sure about this computer, but we'll make some assumptions and go through our answers. Harold says, "Uh, I have a friend who spilled water in his MacBook Pro 15 inch unibody. It still works in every way except that the battery's dead. He's got Apple care and has been to the Apple store and to an Apple authorized service location trying to get the battery replaced. Once they see the evidence of water damage, they are not willing to replace the battery even for a price. The only option Apple is offering is a slight discount on a whole new laptop. Uh, is there anything else he can try? I guess I fix it would be a last resort. So, uh, this is, this is an interesting uh, situation here because when I first read this, John, I thought, well, if, if the machine had a removable battery, then you could go through phone support and just get them to ship you one. But uh, of course, what I, what I missed and you caught is that this machine does not have a removable battery. Right, uh, so th- I
1: don't
3: think
0: because the unibody a, no, was doesn't. the machine that okay. He gave us a link to the the iFixit page about this computer and okay, and, and sure enough, yeah, there it is. There's no
1: because the first there. unibodies, I believe, a couple of them had the removable battery, and I think mm-hmm. a nice way to get to the hard drive too. Yeah, that's right. I remember seeing one, but I think those were some of the first ones. Of course, now there are
0: no uh, MacBooks or Pros that have a removable. Correct, correct. So, uh. Yeah, it, you know, you, there there are sensors in there that when they get wet, they turn from white to red, and every Apple Tech is trained to look at one of these sensors every time they look inside a computer, and and they're in your iPhones if you have one of those or iPods as well, and Apple Care very specifically does not cover machines that are damaged as a result of liquids, so. Yeah, there's no there's no magic answer here either. You could try the phone support, mail it in and see. You know, I I had that good experience with my machine being repaired in the in the repair facility. Uh, You know, they they do have a whole lot more flexibility in the repair facility than they do in the stores or especially at the Apple authorized service centers. So, you know, you you might try it you'll be without the computer for a couple of days. They may fix it. Even if they tell you they're not going to, they may not fix it at all. But, uh, but that would be one thing to check. And then, yeah, I, I fix it. Take the computer apart. You know, you've got to buy a battery for the thing. Uh, But I fix, it's got those on on this page It's showing them for 110 bucks. Uh, You know, then I, and maybe, you know, 110 bucks and a friend sitting there with you to help you with, with the screws and, and getting the thing apart and close back up. And you got a nice little afternoon together, right? That's uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's your magic answer on this one. Uh, if you do have, do you have anything? I, I have something in general about getting a battery replaced from, from Apple care, but, but it's not related. Uh, it's related to this question, but it's not going to help Harold in this situation or Harold's friend. Do you have anything specifically about this question, John, before I share that little tidbit of advice?
1: Um, the only thing I'm going to, I'm going to link to it, but I, I want to find because there, there is a, I think it was actually an Apple article that said, here's the location of the moisture sensors. I I remember it specifically for the iPod touch and that I think it's actually in where you put the uh, headphone and it's normally white and, uh, and if it turns red and I guess you shine a flashlight or something, then they know that it's, uh. Yeah, it's been exposed to uh, moisture, and I think it, they show you also the location of them in the other uh, machines.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah, in the in the iPhone and iPod Touch, it's definitely at the kind of at the bottom of the headphone jack, and you peer down there, you can see that it's you know mostly white, and uh, if it's red, they're not going to warranty it. So I don't I don't know that dropping white paint down there before you uh, before you send it in for a repair would help. But uh, you read my mind now. Um, <laughs> Well, we we do have similar paths. I mean, as you were suggesting, I so I mean, from what
1: I've seen, I mean, it doesn't seem like replacing that on your own is, uh, you know, I mean, it's just a big blob at the bottom of the the case there that you got to bust yeah. the machine open to get to. So
0: it looks pretty simple. It's a it's a six step process to get in there and and pull the battery out. Uh, so it, and that's not that bad. There, you know, there are many processes you can go through. Uh, but uh, you know from the i fix it instructions that are t- 20 plus steps so yeah this this uh, and looking at this it doesn't seem that bad you you will technically void the warranty but your your warranty's already been void uh by the by the fact that you've exposed the machine to water so uh you know be careful going in and out but otherwise you know you know that the machine has already been opened and closed successfully because they've been opening it to look for those water sensors uh so you know there's there's little risk uh, as long as you're careful of of doing any uh, you know significant damage going in and out. So if you have a removable battery, uh, getting it replaced if you have apple care, uh, getting it replaced via mail order is probably your simplest bet because you don't have to go anywhere, and Apple will simply ship you a battery and a box, and you put your old battery in it and send it back, and that's it. What I recommend is go to Apple's online service assistant, which is a link we'll put in the show notes. But it's also if you go to apple.com support, it's over there on the right. And you go through and you put your serial number in and they confirm that you have a warranty. And then you start describing your problem through a series of menus. At some point, you'll get to the point where they say, okay, uh, how do you want to handle this? Do you want uh, to call us now? Do you want us to call you? Do you want us to call you now? Do you want us to call you later, et cetera? And so choose to have them call you now, assuming that works for you, but you'll go through and fill out some contact information and then they have a notes field. If you go into system profiler into the power section and copy and paste the items from the charge information and health information sections into that box, that's what the tech is going to want to talk to you about when they call. They want it. They need to, to Go through that to confirm that your battery is, in fact, dead before they'll send you a new one. And pasting that in there lets them see it may shortcut the process and save you some time on the phone. So that's uh, that's what I would do there. Again, that's not going to work if if you're trying to replace an internal battery. But if you have a removable battery, that uh, that little bit will help. Yeah, lots of of tidbits today, John.
1: I did that under Apple Care and actually, now, Dave, uh, I did have a misfortune on my trip. You did? What well, happened? Well, appara- as far as I can tell, I was swapping. Uh, so I brought my machine with me. You now, I have two batteries. We have the same early 2008 Mac, and that's a 5,500 milliamp hour. So you, you get a couple hours out of it, two to yep. three hours, Yep. I'd say. You know, of course, I turned off Wi-Fi. You know, I was watching uh, Pinky and the Brain, actually, on the plane. Okay. Excellent cartoon, at least I think so. So anyways, and what I do is I let the battery run all the way down. until so it does the uh, hibernate. Then I pull that battery out and put it. And apparently what I did, I think I put it on my seat back and I never remembered to put it back in my computer. Oh, bag. Oh, what a drag. shame on me. I think I was distracted because, no, the uh, the, the the somebody was bringing me a, a beverage or something. So it distracted me. And I'm like, John, remember not to leave it in the seat. Back.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: because reaching for my computer bag, you know, was kind of a pain, you know. Sure. your belt and all that. So anyways, so I ordered, uh, so apparently our friends, uh, at max sales have a out right there. Say that again. Little, uh, we, we
0: had a little Skype pickup. Say, say, uh, friends. Okay. With, uh, max max sales. sales
1: are, yeah, they have a, a new, uh, I think it was new or they're selling it. New power. Yep. Uh, apparently it's a, and it's for this model machine. So, so actually a tip, if you don't, if you, cause I, I don't think Apple sells that one anymore. I, I found third parties that would sell, you know, what they said was, the Apple uh, packaged, which was one twenty nine, I think. I think that's the normal retail for that thing. So this is less expensive, and they claim that it has uh, like four or six percent more capacity. So oh, cool with that because I really uh, for this machine much, like how to much have was it ninety nine bucks uh, ninety nine bucks yes yeah cool and they specifically say okay if if you go to System Profiler look here if you're a whatever model MacBook then this is battery for you oh so yeah because I guess those are going to get more and more scarce so it's it was on back order a bit I, I suspect they're you know, as as batteries keep dying or people leave them on planes like me, um, <laughs> <That's a laughs> there's still a need for I mean, uh, that's a for,
0: pretty common battery. I mean, it's it's the battery that's been in every MacBook Pro since the original.
1: Uh, yeah. Maybe I just didn't approach the Apple site. Right. But I couldn't find a place where Apple was was actively selling it.
0: Hmm. Mm. Well, they, they definitely sell them in the stores. I've seen them in, in Apple stores recently. I mean, certainly within the last couple of months. So. Yeah, I may have looked in the wrong spot. Anyways, do you, do you but want I thought I'd try that. Do you want, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. Um, I was going to say, do you want to talk? You had another mishap on your trip. Did you want to share that here or are we going to skip that? Which one? I don't know. I don't know. You, yeah, you, I don't know. You had... Oh, not that. Not
1: the slamming fingers mishap.
0: Okay. All right. Okay.
1: Right. Uh, no. Yeah, that was the one. I didn't know
0: if you, uh, if you had. No, we don't to need to. Right. The, yeah, because you got banged up, too, but we, we don't want to. I complain did. about I, our aches and pains. I, I, I think I broke a rib diving at a, a six year old in a heated game of capture the flag. And, uh, <laughs> and I found that my uh, my feet were I, I, I got the six year old, I tagged her. Right. Uh, oh, good for you. <laughs> yep. And then uh, and then and then I realized that my feet were kind of behind me and the ground was coming up much faster than I could get my feet under me. And so I rolled, but you know, my elbow kind of hit the ground first and, and, uh, sleeping for the next couple of nights was, was difficult. Uh, b- taking deep breaths was dip- difficult. I didn't actually get it checked out. That happened on Friday. I didn't get it checked out till Tuesday, but I actually got it checked out in a very interesting way. Uh, in, before I went to my MD, I went to my chiropractor and this is going somewhere. This is one of these little life tip things. Uh, and I had him check it out, and I said, "Look, I don't know if it's broken or not. You need to, you know, you need to, uh, so be careful. Or if you can't adjust me, or you know, whatever." And he's like, "Okay, well, we can figure out if it's broken. It's a little medieval, but we're certain to know by the end of of my test if it's broken." And so he got out a tuning fork. And I may have talked about this on the show in the past with different things, but what, the, what,
1: how how can you tell? You got to get an X ray, man. No, so see if a bone is broken. You're you're kidding me. I kid oh, you not, because I, I have.
0: Okay, yeah. So uh, what you do is a tuning fork is built to vibrate bones, right? I mean, it's built to vibrate the bones in your ear, but uh, but certainly it could vibrate other bones. And so he gets the tuning fork ringing and then starts putting the 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 kind of the single end, uh, the end you'd put against your ear against the bones uh, that may or may not be broken. Uh, Now, the way you know if it's broken is that the patient in this case will uh, experience what he referred to as excruciating pain, uh, because you've got, you know, this crack in a bone that's now going to be vibrating very, very quickly back and forth. And that's not at all a uh, a pleasant thing, but it's sure to find a broken bone. In fact, it likely uh, I did some reading on it afterwards, and it's known to find hairline fractures that an x-ray would would quickly miss. So by Tuesday, it was not broken we seem to think that it was broken on Friday when it happened in a in a minor way, be, just because of all the symptoms. All the symptoms I had were very very, uh, you know, consistent with with a with a break. But uh, but anyway, you know, it's I'm doing all right. I can mostly take deep breaths now, and as long as I don't sleep on my left side, I'm doing all right. Yeah, you
1: know. no, I I had that at one point too, and so, and I think in my case it was bruised in that. Yeah. Yeah, and not to be the medical geek app here, but uh, but I don't think there's much you can do if you have a broken or bruised rib, except just it heals itself. Uh, the only danger, I guess, immediate is if it punctures, if you really get nuked, Yeah, if it punctures something nearby, which I think if if that happens, either a lung or another organ, you would know that quickly. Otherwise, it's just this, you know, kind of, sensation that you got to deal with for for several weeks until it heals up and then then you're good
0: to go. And the behavior, you know, what you want to do is make sure that you're not doing things like uh, climbing on a ropes course and falling off or playing a rough touch football game with a guy who was uh, played for Ohio State or falling out of a sailboat um, or or various other things, which mm-hmm. include all the activities that I did uh, between Friday and Monday when we left family camp. <laughs> but, uh, but that's OK. Everything worked out in the end. But yeah, so I, the the lesson here and I've been meaning to get one and keep it in our travel kit, not so much mm-hmm. for me, but for our kids, because, you know, kids are involved in dance and sports and there's there's always these times when. Uh, you know, the, the the kid falls or rolls his ankle or, you know, falls and hurts her wrist or whatever. And you have that moment of, well, should we go to the hospital to make sure that the bone's not broken? And if we have a tuning fork in our travel, you know, kind of travel medical kit, we can do a quick test on the spot, get a feel for which way we got to go with it. So this reminded me that I need to make sure I have one of those. Um, and I'm going to yeah. I'm going to do that. So, yeah. OK, back so to my, uh... back to the Mac Geek, Gab.
1: Well, my tale of getting my finger slammed in a car door hatch uh, pales in comparison. No, <laughs> that's what happened. A friend accident. Uh, fortunately, I think they design cars so it doesn't instantly break all your fingers if that happens. And, right. and actually, it didn't happen. It was just like my hand was stuck and I'm like,
0: uh, dude, dude. <laughs> that's and yeah, better, just, than, uh, better than it would have been in the old days, man. Well, and, I think and, you could lose some fingers. Absolutely. Right? People did all the time. Yeah, Kids especially. Yeah.
1: All right, but anyways, right. Dave and I uh, I think we're 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 going to get better. And uh, yes, yeah, what's the next uh, who, uh, who do we got here is Marion. Marion
0: uh, writes, "I have a simple question: Is there some sort of plugin for Apple Mail which would let me know if the emails I sent out have been read by their recipients?" Okay, so this is going to be one of those questions that has a long discussion. the The short answer is no. What? But there's a but there. Right. But I'll say no, only only because uh, there's no way to confirm that the email client on the other end is going to adhere to your request of telling you when this person has read the email Uh, there. And this discussion is going to get longer and longer here. uh, There is when you're connected to a Microsoft Exchange server, Mm -hmm. it is possible to know if you send an email if you're if you have an account on the exchange server let's like let's say john and i work uh in a, in the same office and use a microsoft exchange server as our mail hub so if i send mail to john from my account on the exchange server to his account on the exchange server it is possible and permissions have to be set up appropriately for mm. me to know if john you read the a message that i send you but that's because it's all internal to one server if I send mail from my, let's say, my Comcast, yeah, It's account, a, so
1: it's proprietary. It's proprietary because they're doing Exchange and not because mail is, for the most part, I would say open or, or can select from multiple open standards.
0: Yeah, Apple's Mail app, right? So, but if I yeah, if I send a message to you from my, say, my Comcast account here to your Optimum Online email account on your end, uh, those servers are standards based, but there really is no practicing standard for uh for mail to get a return receipt and and so what? your mail client may or may not adhere to it there is a standard out there there's a couple of them right back in the old days eudora uh used one called return receipt two as a header and that would tell Eudora, look the person who sent you this wants to know that you've opened it Uh, And you could configure Eudora to say, hey, always send those if they're requested, never send them if they're requested or ask me and I'll tell you whether to send them when they're requested. And that's that's changed, though. Right. Disposition notification to is the new header, but it works in the same way. So.
1: Right. So it's somewhat standards based in that it's a header that can be put into an email. Right. Telling the other guy, could you ask this person to acknowledge that they've read this um no i found dave so mail app of course does not do this right
0: um okay it, it, well, I'm, can gonna norma- can I I'm
1: gonna say normal Confirm that oh yeah okay no normal. well normally mail app does not right cannot do this right but there are a number of ways to ask it to do this right using that that mechanism shall i
0: yeah, keep going. Them.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. So, so I poked around, and I, I think the best one I found. It's actually um, Facintosh. Haven't heard of them before, but they have a nice article. Um, hopefully, they, they authored it, and not someone else. <laughs> but um, return receipt request. They, they have a link to a uh, Apple script application or applet that will change the behavior so that this header that you mentioned it will be included. So, so it's really nothing more than. I think a way to insert this header into an outgoing email, and if the receiver honors it, and that's the other thing uh, that, that then they'll ask. Can't you um, do
0: that manually though in mail? Oh oh,
1: well, they say this to uh, I did not find when I was creating a mail message oh. a way to request return receipt, like I believe you could have in Eudora
0: uh you no, know, you're right you can you can uh, what you can do is you can tell mail to show you a custom header. Uh, When you display a message Uh, Mm. in the I I believe I'm looking in mail's preferences. If you go to viewing, uh, it says show header detail, right? There's none default, all or custom. And in custom, you can pick uh, what headers you, you know, it shows you a list of headers and you can either add or remove things from the list. So you could add the return receipt to or it, or both, the return receipt to and disposition notification to. And when we mm. discuss these, these headers have capitalized first uh characters of every word and hyphens between the words. So it's mm. return capital return, R return dash capital R receipt dash two, capital to capital T O. Uh so you could add those here and at least see them in messages that have them. Uh, yeah, you're not going to look for that though, and and
1: I don't right. think Mail even replies to it. I I think no. Mail just ignores it if it's there.
0: It it does, uh, but you can, um, you can send return receipts with. There's I think there's a Hawkwing. There's something on Hawkwings. that'll. I
1: found out. a Hawkwing, and I found this yeah. other article. Okay. So I found at least two articles that yeah. have AppleScript add-ons that I think basically create this header, and maybe do a bit more, and and integrate it nice with Mail app.
0: So, yep. yep. So that's the.
1: So that's part of the technical. Okay, so I don't know the, if you have any more on the technical, Dave. The,
0: the technical answer is that both mail clients, yours and the one on the other end, need to be specifically configured, either by default by the manufacturer or, uh, in the case of mail.app by you, uh, to generate and respond to these headers, and that makes this an. Inexact science at best Um, most people using mail.app are not going to have it configured to reply to these things Mm -hmm. people using outlook uh, or entourage you know probably 50 50 on those because at least Mm -hmm. the at least the software is built to deal with it out of the box whereas mail.app is not Um, but but it's it's inexact and and you're not going to know for certain but just by sending it out that you know that, that it's come back that way. So that's, it, it's not perfect. It's far from it. And it probably isn't valuable to you because unless it's 100% accurate, you it's worthless. That's my feeling on it. You know, I have a bit more on the
1: technical side, Dave. So okay. technically, yes, this is one mechanism. Now there are standalone products. Like I'm going to give one, for example, uh, I don't know if it's really meant to do this, but something like you send it. But what, what I'm going to point towards, and I haven't looked at these services lately, but there are services that will basically email a URL, and then when you click on the URL, that indicates right. Well, it could indicate that you have acknowledged that you've downloaded said content, right? It doesn't necessarily indicate if you've actually read it, or more importantly, probably which you know we'll see this in the future and listen to this and go ha ha ha. But did the person reading what you said appreciate or even understand or care? Right. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, in in the in the yes, distant or maybe not so distant future, you'll be able to tell all sorts of things about the but 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 I think it hints at. Maybe the more the social aspect of this, Dave.
0: Well, uh, I think there's there's riffing off of what you said there. There is one more technical bit that mailing lists tend to use. Right. A lot of times you want to know what the open rate is of an email that you send out for a mailing list. Uh, You know, you want to get an idea of how many people, you know, if we send this to 5000 people are 5000 people opening it. No. Okay. well, then how many thousand how many people are opening it? Is it 100? Is it a thousand? Is it 2000? You know, what's the number? So what is often done? And with HTML email being as common, commonly supported as it is, it's pretty safe to do this uh, in terms of of tracking. Uh, There's a margin of error, but. What you do is you embed a link to an image, uh, you know. Oftentimes, it's a one by one pixel track, what they call a tracking image that lives. Up I've post. heard it called web bug. Yeah, web bug. Sure. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's a you know some some little image, and this is used constantly on the web uh, to track what happens. And so when you open the email, just by receiving the email. Your client won't download the image, but once you open it or view it, then the client will go through and download all the images in the email, unless, of course, you have it set not to. And when it does that, it in addition to pulling in all the graphics, it pulls, you know, this one little tiny image and that essentially sends a ping back to the server saying, hey, hey, this email was open and it's possible to create an email with a unique ID so that you've got. You know, this image being requested saying, hey, not only was it opened and add one to the counter, but it was opened by this particular person because we only sent that email with that particular tracking bug ID to one person, Mm. you know, a serial number, if you will. So uh, so it is possible. I don't know of anything for Mail.app that does this, but that would be a a far more reliable way of tracking whether or not someone opened your email. Uh, So. So there's there's that. But, uh, John, you you want to talk a little bit about the social impact of this? Well, uh, I want to discuss it with you. Uh,
1: To me, it maybe it's just an American thing, but there's a concern about privacy. You're watching me. You're monitoring me now. Some people and, and, you know, I've maybe I've become a bit more conservative in my old age, but I'm less and less worried that somebody knows the brand of whatever. That I buy, you know, if I use my sure. card at the grocery store and stuff like that. And similar, Do uh, I'm wavering between, do I really care who knows if I've read their thing? Because to me, and I'm going to, uh, the social thing totally, it, to me, it's kind of rude. Or maybe I'm just old school, but, but sometimes I consider it rude for someone to say, well, I want to know if you've, if you've read the communication I sent to you. Because it, it almost... It, And I'm going to maybe I I sound crazy, but, you know, it almost implies a lack of trust or just that. That's how some people may take it. Like, say you're doing an email to a small group of people. Sure. And it's like, well, dude, I want you to to acknowledge that you've read this. And I'm like, you know, unless it's a contract or a business transaction that that kind of gets kind of weird and control freaky.
0: Well, and, but that that's exactly it. It's it's, you know, the social aspect. And this is a conversation that will cut short because it could go forever. Yes. But, you know, in a situation where, like you said, you're sending something that you need to know when the person opened it, Uh, you know, with if if I'm delegating something to someone and I want to be sure that it got there, uh, a return receipt does that just like a return receipt with, you know, mail or certified mail. Uh, does the same thing or a, a, you know, signature required on a package I get. Right. Yeah. It, but
1: then that's a great example. But in that case, you know, it's there. Correct. Right?
0: Correct. So, yeah, but in most email clients these days are not blindly sending out return receipts uh, without their users mm. knowing. So you're going to know when this is requested and, and when you're sending it back and you say, yeah, sure, I'll I'll acknowledge receipt of this. And uh, and then off it goes. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know. I can I can see it, but it kind of goes in a lot of different ways.
1: Well, the only one I'll... Uh, so, so that one, yes, the user is in control. They may be offended. Who knows? The the one I, I'm concerned about is the embedded one-by-one image, which, of course, if embedded in a HTML email... Yep. Uh, I guess what I'm getting at is the recipient of the email may not know that they're being tracked, but then right. maybe...
0: And yet, just like
1: have, using a web browser, you get used to it because, I mean, I have I've given up us. trying to purge yeah. my browser of cookies because when I do, it typically makes the user experience a bit more pleasant. Right. And then it keeps asking me for stuff that I know, you know, this already, you know, it's in a cookie somewhere. Just
0: so. Right. Right.
1: All right. Where are we, Dave?
0: Uh, Let's see. We are moving on to
2: Kirshen here with a comment
3: about our last premium show, number 282. Hi, John and Dave. This is Kirshen from Cedar Rapids again regarding Mac Geek Gap 282 and Safari tabs. It turns out that Safari 5's functionality can be enhanced by installing Safari extensions, which are a new feature in version 5. You can get to the Safari extension gallery from the Safari menu. One of these extensions may be a solution for Tim's Safari tab reopening question, and the one in question is Sessions. Sessions will save the list of tabs open at any point in time to a named Session, which then can be restored. It adds a button to the Safari button bar with a circle in the button so you can recognize it. And when you quit Safari, Sessions will save all the tabs as the latest Session. When you next start up Safari, Sessions automatically starts up and highlights the latest session, autosaved when you last quit. Just restore this and there you have it. Safari extensions make for a number of cool stuff found items. Check out the ultimate status bar which brings up the mouse over link as a translucent panel. Sure beats having the regular Safari status bar up all the time. Finally, you mentioned hitting the tab key to autocomplete a file name in the terminal window. Well, if you press tab again after the beep, you'll see a list of autocomplete candidate file names. Neat, huh? Thanks for a really great podcast, and I'll never get caught missing an episode. That's awesome. Thanks, Christian.
0: Yeah, those are two great extensions. And there are some cool extensions for Safari. There's also the AdBlock extension, which we're not going to go into. Uh, But but there there. No, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. It's it's uh, and, and I definitely want to check out this sessions one that that sounds like one I would use because there are times when it's like, oh, this is exactly what I want to have set up. But yet I can't quite get there.
1: And I like the extensions because, uh, from what I've read about them, they're you know I, I I would say standards based and somewhat lightweight. So
0: yeah, that you have that's, less of a
1: risk of terrible things happening versus like plugins, which we've all seen and still see even with the recent yeah. they just updated Safari
0: again, right? Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Um. Let's see. Let's see. You know there there were some updates. You mentioned updates, John. Of course. Uh, there were updates to the to Apple TV to iOS four, uh, all of that good stuff. I don't know that there's anything uh, worth this. I discussed a bunch of this on Mac Jury last Wednesday night. Oh, yeah, um, but I don't. Nice. I, I don't know that there's anything specific we should go through here. Now nah, uh, there were
1: fish shakes over iTunes and how they ruined right. everything with the UI again. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, and ping suggest the same thing to everybody (laughs) right (laughs) now you try game center that's kind of new i actually haven't updated my device yet but game center i mean well that that's kind of a dud too i don't know at least
0: um i I, I haven't I i haven't tried it yet but but here's here's my take on game center uh i mentioned it to my son uh you know we were talking at dinner or whatever uh the day of the announcement because we did the keynote coverage here so it was all fresh on my mind And uh, and I mentioned it to my son. I said, yeah, they've got this thing where you can link games. He said, whoa, wait a minute. Really? And now he's eight. (laughs) And uh, and and he said, that's exactly what they have on the, the PlayStation Portable and on the Nintendo DS. And he's like, you know, my my friend Phoenix has this, and and he went and you know talked about how Phoenix is able to find other people online, even though even if he doesn't have a friend that he knows online that he can play against, you know, he can find somebody else who's at the same skill level, and then you kind of get to know that person online, and as your skills you know increase together, you sort of move up the ladder together, and and he talked all about this, and he was really excited uh, about the prospect of it coming to you know the iPhone and iPod Touch, so. I think it is a big deal. Uh, it it stumbled a little bit at the start. Now, I mean, we're, you know, basically 24, you know, 25 hours into its life here. Uh, but at, as it rolled, as iOS 4.1 rolled out of the gate, there were no games available to the public that were game center uh, savvy. That changed several hours later. And it seems like they had to hold back these updates. I don't know if there was something about... Uh, the game that would cause it to choke if it tried to access Game Center before Game Center was released. You know, it might have been one of these chicken mm. and the egg kind of things. So they had to just get it out there and then push this slew of updates. But now there are games. Um, and I, I have yet to try it though. Uh, but it, you know, after my son's reaction to it, I sort of grokked okay, there's more to it here than I care about for me personally. But I, you know, I, I, I think in order to compete as a game, a mobile gaming platform, this was a very necessary step uh, to take. So I'm curious to see how it, how it, how it flushes out. So that's my, that that's my insight on it. Yeah. All right. Moving, mm-hmm. moving on to. <laughs> you don't have anything to say about that, do you? Well, I haven't tried it yet. Okay. Mm. Well, you'll get a weird thing though when you when you go to be someone's friend. On Game Center, you send them like a a notification. It comes through as a push notification on your on your phone or your touch. And it it says, I I would like you to be my friend. It's like the worst, most poorly worded thing that Apple has ever released. It's just this weird kind of creepy thing. It's not I want to be your friend or come join me on Game Center or, you know, anything that's just like normal. It's this I want you to be my friend. Really? It's just it sounds a like a
1: wacky. serious yeah. commitment.
0: It actually. does. Like, well, what do you mean? You know, how, how exactly am I supposed to take What's this? What's the downside? What's the- Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, before this goes too far down, Pierre writes, I have an older MacBook Pro 17 inch first generation that is more or less decommissioned due to the following errors. Most of the keys stopped working, particularly around the left and right hand sides. I bought a Bluetooth keyboard. Uh, the trackpad suddenly stopped responding. I bought a Bluetooth mouse. Uh, will not start up with two RAM chips in it. Both are fine, but I can no longer use both at the same time. Two gigabytes each. I am only using one chip to solve this. And now the screen suddenly went dead. And so did the monitor port. Uh, I use screen sharing to keep working on it from another Mac. Man, that's a commitment right there. Uh I have now put in an older hard drive that was used in a MacBook Pro 15 inch. The problem with that one is that either the firewall is turned on so I cannot get screen sharing to work or simply that screen sharing and sharing are disabled in the sharing preference pane. Can this be turned on in some way? I have not tried to SSH into it as finding its IP address is also demanding some digging on the router Uh, and I don't want to do that. Can I run the hardware test disk on a machine that is headless? Holding the D key down under a reboot certainly does not display anything. Are there any options I can try that will salvage my problems? Yes, I have looked inside to see if there is actually a gremlin in there chewing away on the hardware, as all these failures came gradually one at a time. Okay. Uh, so my, that is the
1: cause, of course, it's definitely a gremlin. It is a gremlin. Okay. He just missed it because they're very crafty and sneaky.
0: Yeah. I told you about the guy that, that, uh, had me had to take apart his computer for the gremlins. Did I have, have I shared this story here before? Have you? What? Okay. No. I, 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 this is worth a little detour. So, uh, back when I was doing consulting, uh, you know, I saw all sorts of weird things and I stopped looking, you know, the office would get the phone call, uh, from the client, They'd explain the problem they'd, the you know, the, the office person would book the book it on the schedule and then, you know, give me like a 10 word, 15 word description of what they interpreted the problem to be. And these descriptions were always misleading. They were either semi accurate, which might lead me before I walked in the door to think about. What the problem was going to be and then I might kind of head down the wrong path inadvertently or they were completely, you know, miswritten because they weren't rewritten by people that had a whole lot of computer knowledge. Mm.
1: My favorite is it doesn't work
0: right. So I just assumed, you know, I would look on the thing. Do I need to bring any hardware with me? No. All right. I'm just walking in blind. You know, I I, there's no reason that I want to read these 15 words. It worked out better for me. So I get to this guy's house down in Texas. Knock on the door. He opens the door. He's like, oh, yeah, come on in. Come on. in, Come on. in." Really eager to see me. It's like, all right, cool. Uh, So, you know, I get in and I see on the floor he has made this grid of masking tape. And it's like this six by six grid and all of his computer parts are in separate quadrants or separate sections of the grid. And he's like, "I know, I know it looks crazy. Let me explain. Uh I've had this gremlin in this computer, okay? And I've replaced every part, but see the problem is the gremlin's been jumping from part to part and and so it still exists. So what I did is I took it all apart and now the gremlin has nowhere to hide. But what I want you to do is put it back together for me. Thinking, okay, here we go. So I dove in, I put it back together for him, and it worked just fine. So uh so there was a lesson to be learned there. I'm not I'm not I'm still not sure what the lesson was, but but maybe one of you out I'd, there. I'd you know. say make sure
1: your clients take their meds before you come mm-hmm. over.
0: Yeah. Gremlins, yeah. really. Yeah. Wow. So uh so with this particular machine. And and the problem of not being able to configure it to get in uh, essentially to a headless Mac that must remain headless because of specific hardware issues. Uh, what I would do is using the Bluetooth keyboard because we know the keyboard doesn't work, although he says that the keys on the right and left. So maybe this will work. Reboot and hold down the T key. And let's hope uh, that it goes into target disk mode. And then plug a FireWire cable from that computer into another computer, mount that drive there, reboot from that drive over FireWire target disk mode. And then from there, you should be able to go through and configure everything as you want. Shut down, you know, unplug the cable, reboot the machine. It should come up and you should be able to get into it. That's
1: my I don't story. know, man. All right. Well, one thing I'll suggest, I'm uh, number one, it sounds like this machine is just. Ready to, oh yeah, <laughs> shuffle off the this mortal qu- or whatever coil <laughs> computers are on. Yes. But anyways, no. So that's bad. But one thing I found, Dave, when I had issue where I uh, had a liquid event with my keyboard, and hopefully nobody at Apple Care hears this because, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, I may have to send it in. Uh, the trackpad is is locking up more. uh Oh, anyways, um, where is I? I don't
0: know. You were here. No, you? I'm, you so- I'm sorry. No, I,
1: I, I'm sorry. No, I'm with you. So I had the event, and what I found worked for me. So fortunately, I had an extra USB keyboard. And what I was suspecting here is that he said he had a Bluetooth keyboard. I'm going to guess, Dave. Well, I'm almost positive. But Bluetooth does not have the priority that a keyboard plugged right into the machine does. And I found this okay. when I had an event where uh, I think what happened is, yeah. So, so it was a liquid event, and one of the keys got stuck when i tried to turn the machine on and unfortunately it was one of the keys on the lower row the the liquid got there and i think it was option now of course when you start up your mac with option held down it does something different right mhm i'm like oh this is terrible because it it may make the sh- the machine unusable or very persnickety because there's this one key always held down well i plugged in an external keyboard usb keyboard one of the uh, not the well one of the the desktop keyboards hey it listened to that instead and let me do more with the machine, like actually be able to use it because the keyboard is, uh, to me, an integral part of, of the Mac experience for now. <laughs> yes. So, um, But no, but it also worked out where I think I had to do some diagnostics on the machine with another machine, and or, or I forgot if I was trying to boot it in, in a hardware test. I think that was it. The problem is, of course, again, with the internal keyboard, having thinking one key was stuck down, or actually it was, or shorted out. It was, I couldn't get the machine to a point, and I think that that's where I'm going with this, where you could even do something like you said, Dave, or you know, or, or he suggested to the hardware test. So, I'm what I'm suggesting, wrapping it up, is a external USB keyboard should take precedence over a damaged uh, de- uh, notebook keyboard, and then you can get more closer to the problem, hopefully, because uh, the the machine will just let you do what it should anyway.
0: Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it was scary at first because when I booted the machine, I'm like, "Wait, that's what happens when the oh that key is held down." Well, <laughs> guess what? It is. Right. 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 Anything cool. else? But you know, it sounds like it's. Uh, I mean, I uh, uh, tip of the hat to to keep a machine going this long because it sounds like something I would do. But yeah, at some it does, point, actually. at some at some point, it gets where you know. I mean, th- this thing is. <laughs>
0: It it's, see, it's seen its last day. You have to
1: respectfully just, you know, put it out the pasture, I think. That's right. <laughs> there may be some pieces that could be recovered for
0: another machine, but... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. All right. Uh, let's see. We have a couple of things to go through. Well, we need to make sure you know how to contact us. Being our premium subscribers, chances are you know how to reach us, but in case you don't Premium at MacGeekGab.com is... Dave, did yes. you say 206... No,
1: did you... <laughs> <laughs> I believe you said... You didn't say our phone number, which is
0: 206666-geek, but you said premium at MacGeekGab.com. I did say premium at MacGeekGab.com, and our phone number is two oh six 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 four three three five. 4335 which, as you so eloquently stated, is geek. Show notes are, of course, at MacGeekCab.com. You can Skype us to MacGeekCab there as well. John and I will be at Blog World Expo in Las Vegas next month, October 14th through 16th at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, Got a couple more days uh, for a big discount, 20% off using our coupon code, ObserverVIP, O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R-V-I-P. I would like to thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast for converting this to AAC for you, and of course, all the bandwidth comes from Cashfly. Uh, I think that's it, John. We're back on Monday with a standard show, uh, non-premium show, but of course, all of you will get that, too, right here in the same feed. Any other things that we need to mention here, John, before we move on? Nope. All right, then let's get out of here.
1: I'm back. I'm ready. Uh, I'm, I'm back in the groove here. That's good. I think... Oh. Got a little tan.
2: Have a great weekend,
0: everybody. Have fun. Don't get caught.
2: Made up.